Welcome to the Holy Aligned Podcast. Kira Jean Roberts, your host, speaking. Warm welcomes. In this episode, we are traversing, spiraling, diving in to our bones. As a nutritional therapist, trained naturopathically, meaning holistically, and as a yoga and movement teacher, I'm increasingly fascinated with our bones as living tissues, which they are, and ways to really take care of the structural architecture of our bones, to consider our bones also as that representation of the earth element. If we consider earth as the densest element, even as you're listening now, have a, have a moment to feel into the weightiness of your bones. They are mineral reservoirs of calcium, phosphate, magnesium, and they indicate so much around movement and stability. And in modern society, for many reasons, we have increasing amounts of bone health issues. For example, osteopenia, osteoporosis, uh, stress fractures. Of course, we also have the fact that we live in a world that we interact environmentally with. So we kayak, we swim, we dive, we run, sometimes ultra run marathons across massive mountains and hills. So who we are, our bones and how that influences our motility, our movement is such an interesting inquiry. So as ever, take what resonates, leave the rest. But a few ideas for you to weave into how to nurture your bone health. That on a cellular level, cellular differentiation, that this knowledge and wisdom in the body that knows how to create osteocytes, which are the bone cells, and there are three key types of bone cells, osteocytes, osteoblasts, and osteoclasts. I always remember from studying this, osteoblasts, B for blast, for build, are the building aspects. So they're the bone builders. And the osteoclasts are those which break down bone tissue um, and are more about resorption. So as with everything in life, it's always about balance. How do we balance the health of our bones is this interesting balance in osteoblast bone building and osteoclast bone breaking down activity. Uh, and the osteoblasts come in and become the osteocytes. So which are the, the mature cells? So the maturity, hello, I'm an osteocyte, I'm very mature. <laughs> the osteocytes are the mature cells uh, that maintain the living tissue of bone. And our skeleton, which can be interesting existentially or philosophically, how we feel about skeletons, 
a lot of depictions of death have associations of, you know, deathly bones, uh, skulls. Skulls are really a symbol of Kali as well, the goddess Kali, Kali Ma, who dances on the body of Shiva in an exclamation of her sovereignty. So balance also in how we view our relationships with things. So do we have a relationship with our bones, our skeleton, which is about 90% made up of the osteocytes, the mature cells? And the osteocytes are highly specialized cells. Uh, and when you start to go down any of this, launching one's own research assignments, you could put in bone tissue cellular level or something like that into Google and you'll just get loads of really interesting information and articles. So it's a reminder also of discernment in what we're taking in. How does it ring true? If we're only taking in at a theoretical intellectual level, we're only ever going to get so far. Let's say for example, we could sit and read 10 books about how to nurture our bone health and the theory and understand the cellular mechanisms if we're not connecting with how that actually feels through moving the body is kind of not very interesting um, this is what can get us caught in in mental scapes and storms so our bones being mineral reservoirs and they are also mechanosensors so where the world of embodiment is increasingly intersecting with yoga if you are a movement teacher or a physiotherapist uh, or maybe you're a doctor that specializes in bones maybe you're an osteopath so or maybe you're just somebody who's interested in improving your bone health whatever it is that these mechanosensors really tap us into the terms that are often used in embodiment proprioception and interoception so proprioception is how we sense and feel where we are in space. So where you are now, uh, whether you're sitting in a chair or whether you're walking somewhere, how do you know you're doing that? How do you know you're sitting? How do we know we're standing? How do we know we're flying? Uh, it's through proprioceptors in the body. So the bones are very helpful for that uh, because they have mechanosensory capacity that helps us locomote. So remember that song, come on now, do the locomotion. Are you singing it with me? Uh, it could be like a hymn to our bones. And motion is lotion. This is one of my favorite phrases at the moment. I heard it on a sacred dance training that I was participating in last summer in Sweden uh, when my teacher, Julie Martin, who is has a previous background in dance she's now in her late 50s and bringing all this this wonderful autonomy and agency through this really un deep understanding that motion is lotion and what is it to move freely this is the power of dance uh, and research around dance not that we need to read the theory about it but you might know yourself how do you feel when you dance how does it feel to just dance to put on some music and just to move it's not about being performative or choreographed. Those can be wonderful and beautiful things as well. It's just really about movement for the joy of moving. Ecstasy simply means moving out of stasis. 
So motion is lotion and our bones need movement. So that structural architecture uh, is, is imperative. Imagine if we didn't have bones. I mean, it would just be quite ridiculous. Uh, but then there are, of course, species that exist in the world that don't have mineralized bones. If we consider a jellyfish, something like this, it's got a whole different feel to it, hasn't it? And then diving into the, the spongy tissue of our deeper marrow. What is it to really go into the marrow of our bones? In the Tao tradition, this is also a deep practice of, of meditating in the marrow. What might it be to go into this, this marrow and come across hematopoiesis, which is the process of blood cells being made. And this happens in the marrow, largely in the marrow. There is a few other places in the body it happens, but largely it's happening in the marrow. And these blood cells that are being made and then intelligently differentiated to then be released into the flow of our bloodstream. Uh, and you can imagine, of course, that blood cells, white blood cells in this case, have a huge influence and indication to the health of our immune system. So movement strengthens the bones. It also stimulates healthier marrow. So of course, this is nuanced and contextual. This is never about a set of instructions for you to follow. It's just, oh, how is that interesting in my life? Or how can that help me remember to go for a walk more often? Or to just go up and down the stairs a few more times than you usually might. And to stretch when we get out of our beds in the morning. Who are we at our very bones? Our ancestral bones, the DNA that pulses from our mother line, our father line. Those bloodlines that run deep. It is from the very marrow. How beautiful. So yes, these white blood cells that differentiate into all kinds of different white blood cells neutrophils, um, granulocytes, lymphocytes, eosinophils, all of these have specific actions and activity in the body, but nothing works in isolation. So all of these blood cells are, are following some kind of code of information. And, you know, this is where we could sit and gather around the fireside and, and talk about what it is we could write a song about it and that might crack something open or we could listen to somebody who has maybe done 100 200 300 bone surgeries and learn something profound from that this is a reminder to listen to one another to play to our strengths and to honor our ancestral bones is to really know more clearly who we are uh, and Bone tissue is consistently remodeled. So maybe you've had a broken bone or maybe if I think of one of my friends, his daughter was born with a misaligned pelvis. So when she was little, she had this sort of special, I don't know if it's a construction, but like a constructed nappy kind of thing that would help open up the girdle of her hips. So only you can know the very nuanced experiences you've had in your body. Maybe the way you were birthed into the world, something was pulled and something came out of alignment. Uh, or maybe you fell or you were in an accident. 
Maybe your bones were crushed. You got caught under a car or something like this. So bone tissue is consistently remodeled. And it's significantly influenced by nutrition and movement. So what we eat and how we move is really important. (laughs) So, But also remember, it's not a set of instructions like, oh, yeah, I'm so glad that I go and row a boat. I'm so glad that I swim in the sea. Or I'm so glad that I jump up and down when I'm waiting for the kettle to boil. You know, make it up that... Personally, I much prefer the term movement to exercise. I think exercise can evoke all kinds of connotations um, of what we're supposed to be doing or maybe a relationship with physical education, which is not about performance. Any good PE teacher, and you know, talk to PE teachers about this as well, will emphasize that PE is about health. It's not about peak performance. So We really need to start getting over this human-centric obsession with peak performance, what's in it for me, constantly. Yes, it's great to do things that are about betterment for our health, but they, they must be tied to a greater sense of mission and purpose, a greater sense of community. Why do we do the things we do? Uh, and it can be very depressing if we become so maniacally self-obsessed. It's why we are very likely to then experience feelings of loneliness and isolation and being misunderstood, all of which are are normal in the human experience. It reminds us to remember our ancestral bones, our lineage, our enculturation, and then to choose where to let go of some of that enculturation, whether it be religious dogma that's pulsed into our bones, down the bone lines, whether it's ideas about food that, oh, you must not eat this, it's really bad for you. So eat food is is a great piece of advice and food that is actually food rather than the ultra-processed muck that has caused so much damage to public health. Uh, and it's And on that point, this brings in, yeah, nutrition for our bones. That yes, there are also genetic factors, and past injuries such as breaks and fractures and how things mended, how we were able to rest and mend. Uh, Medications as well, for example, steroids, including um, the inhalers for asthma that contain steroids. So these all impact bones. So sometimes it's just accepting that, oh, okay, for example, I take a very small dosage of steroid. It's in relation to immunomodulating actions because I have a kidney transplant that is just I'm thankful that I understand that it can weaken bones so that I can put in methods that help strengthen them so the importance of lifestyle support to protect the bone density rather than giving up because we've been told oh this is bad for your bones like okay great piece of information now I'm going to go and launch my own research assignments and Assess intelligently and intuitively your own unique context. So yes, that was my weaving way to say, (laughs) to get us to the point of nutrition. And the ultra-processed foods is an example, even if we just bring in sugar. And we all know this at heart. uh, And sugar's delicious. You know, I love having a piece of cake. Brings me great joy to bake a cake and have people over and share cake and tea and good chats with people. 
Uh, we don't do that every day. If we're doing, if we're eating big loads of sugar every day, why this matters in relation to our bones is it's really about balance. So where um, we might have too much intake of sugar, whether it be in the form of soda pop or commercial biscuits, too much chocolate that actually probably isn't chocolate, um, make sure you're actually eating chocolate rather than muck. <laughs> I know I can be a bit, I can be a bit fierce about this because it matters. It really matters. And and know that your taste buds will adjust. Um, it'll be hard at first, probably. Yeah, it's like habits are easy to form. They're not so easy to break. So the sugar, what happens in sugar is that it, 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 it kind of requires the bones to release more calcium into the blood to neutralize its effect so and there's a whole heap of other stuff going on around insulin response but as we're talking about bones today and just consider that there's increasing research which has been in existence for for so so long the naturopathic way has known this is several decades ahead of mainstream medicine which is why mainstream medicine is taking so long to catch up because there isn't the innovation the creativity and the willingness to say, oh, I didn't know that. Um, and that's why th things that are fundamentally basic to our health are sadly lacking in mainstream medicine. There's also many brilliant things about mainstream medicine. So I'm just talking about how do we manage our health, especially if we have a long-term condition or we're having a period that needs deeper convalescence. So yes, the increasing research over several years now around elevated urinary calcium when there's an intake of excessive amounts of sugar. So over time, because time matters in terms of cumulative effects, the effects of anything are cumulative, which means what we do that is useful for our health, what we do that is also sabotaging for our health. And we all have these things. This can lead to osteopenia, which is like the pre-stage to osteoporosis. And interestingly, and maybe you know this because you know somebody in your circle or you are the somebody that is airline crew, um, because we don't have the ground beneath us, that weight bearing, uh, there, I've known two people in my life, um, that have had a past history of quite some years, like between eight to 10 years as an airline hostess, uh, and they both developed osteoporosis. So it's just being aware of your context. You can put modifications in, make sure you're doing weight bearing stuff when you get to ground. Make sure you're limiting sugar. Make sure you, you're taking vitamin D, especially too if you're on night shifts because that's kind of quirking around with our natural circadian rhythms. So yeah, in terms of other useful tips to increase calcium-rich foods, um, and yes, dairy is a good source of that. It's not the only source, but natural yogurts, great for calcium. Uh, tahini because it's sesame seed based sesame seeds are calcium rich the dark leafy greens so things like kale and spinach and collard greens if you squeeze lemon juice onto your kale and your collard greens and broccoli for example it helps to increase the vitamin c and uh, the vitamin c and it helps to increase the calcium uptake so it's a reminder of synergy that you can't out supplement a poor diet uh, and 
as somebody who works professionally in this, I've worked with all kinds of interesting and amazing and formidable people over the course of about 11 years now, consulting them naturopathically. So looking at, you know, their food habits, what they learned about food growing up. That it's about simple, simple things uh, and putting in the good stuff and also eliminating the stuff that is not so great. It's not about being puritanical. Uh, this is where things like orthorexia can develop, where people become completely fixated about what they're eating and start measuring things and calorie counting. Calories are really not very interesting. They're only a measure of energy and quite rudimentary as well. So vitamin D, I'm sure you know, it's important for bone health. You've got the, in the summertime when we get sun on our skin, that there's a cholesterol derivative that is activated on the surface of the skin that then goes on to metabolize in the liver. And then the second stage of activation happens in the kidneys. So it's, it's very important that when we don't have good sun, especially here, it's wintertime in the Northern Hemisphere, for example, supplementing with vitamin D is very important. So, you know, and that will be nuanced. If you've got a severe vitamin D deficiency, you're going to need to get more in uh, quicker, but you can also do that in a titrated base. Personally, I prefer a sublingual liquid oil-based vitamin D because vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin. To give you an example, vitamin C is water-soluble. So we will typically excrete any excess of, of water-soluble vitamins. Vitamin D being fat-soluble, similarly to B12, can be stored in the tissues. So yes, we can overdose in vitamin D, but you'd have to take an awful lot. Uh, and you just want to be be mindful of your context. So if you get a sublingual liquid form, just follow the dosage instructions. Uh, if you know you've, you have vitamin D deficiency, then you know, you'll need to probably take a different titration method. Um, yeah, and so if you eat uh, animal products, then bone broth is a beautiful way of getting really good collagen and minerals into the body. If we think of Granny's chicken soup, chicken soup for the foot, for the for the soul, those deeply nourishing things. So to use food as medicine rather than something that we're doing to punish ourselves. I've seen so many extremes that either there's the extreme of don't care and that can come for many reasons. So we just eat anything to obsessive where there is the spreadsheet information. So, so that's always a sign that something's gone awry. If you're keeping that tally, it's not necessary. So of course, seek the necessary help that feels resonant for you to just unpick some of those patterns. And bone broth can be added. You can have it on, on its own if you want. Um, it can be added to soups and stews and gives a really rich flavor to those. I would counsel to use organic bones as much as possible. So if you've invested in a really lovely organic pasture-fed chicken that's had a a good roaming life, you can use the bones and know that you've honored that bird very dearly. Um, and also visualization. 
So if you're visualizing a bone mending or maybe you've got osteoporosis or osteoarthritis or you're, you know, you might be having chemotherapy treatment at the moment. Uh, maybe that's resulted in quite severe neutropenia. So it's just gauging and taking your measure. So imagine, imagination is powerful and helps us connect to something greater than ourselves. You might imagine standing barefoot to the earth and feeling that magnetic resonance pulsing through and also feel yourself in the comfort of the gravitational pull. One of the, the main laws of physics is the law of gravity, that we're held to the earth. And that's where our proprioceptors come in. It's also why astronauts have to be very careful of their bone health because they're not exposed to gravity. Yeah, and some other lovely ideas uh, is to take regular Epsom salts baths. So Epsom salts are a sulfate form of magnesium. And putting them in the bath, you can soak. It's great also if you've got some tired muscles. Magnesium is a, a very important nutrient for our nerves, our muscles, but also it helps to keep calcium situated in the bone matrix. So if you're taking that option, put a good generous two to three mugfuls into the bath. Buying in bulk online is, is generally more affordable. You can get a lot more for your money. And magnesium is nature's relaxant, so you can just feel that your bones are appreciating and sinking in to the medium of water, which can be a conduit of so much imagination as well, to just sink our tissues into a warm bath. So yes, bones are fascinating. There's so much to learn about them. And for now, simply acknowledge their value and take those small actions that feel resonant because the magic is really in the action. In yoga, it's called Kriya. We take the action to create strength and tenacity in the bones which helps create strength and tenacity in the muscles and what's amazing is that the stronger we make our muscles the more they wrap more tightly around the bones and the bones get stronger as a result of that what a beautiful symbol of collaboration the collaboration is is so very natural and i'll leave you on this note that a little nod to the hormone secreted by the osteoblasts, so those bone-building bone cells, is osteocalcin. And when we move, so whether we're jumping or we're on the yoga mat or we've gone for a swim or, you know, we've just done 50 squats just to help ground into our feet and our legs, it strengthens us physically and it also travels to the brain. So osteocalcin travels to the brain via messages in the blood, specifically to the hippocampus, the part of the brain very much involved in memory. And that's really interesting. And while studies are few for now, this can help with our mood. If we consider that maybe there's that sense of, of greater alertness, why do we feel better after movement? Why do we feel better after a group class where we've all moved and strengthened together that low levels of osteocalcin and poor cognitive function are linked and one study also uh, around alzheimer's also found low levels of osteocalcin 
which is interesting, isn't it? So get moving, jump on the spot, walk up and down the stairs, walk along the seafront or in the forest or in the woods, walk to your friend's place, get a walking buddy, walk down your hospital corridors if that's your workplace, walk to the cinema, punch the air in excitement, skip to the shops, row a boat, get on the yoga mat and enjoy taking greater care of this marvelous existence we call body. So much love and wholesome, healthy alignment your way.